Hey, Jake, I like video games. Hey, Tony, I like video games, too. Well, welcome, everybody, to this year's International Hey, I Like That Game Awards. Hey, I like that game forever. Video games are the best. Oh, man, Jake. (laughs) You better believe it. Video games are the best this year. 2022 it's a pretty good year for games right it, it was uh, a pretty overall good year for games i think uh i mean we'll we'll get we'll get into this it was a good year for games um too good because i didn't get to play a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh so like we have done in previous years we got six categories to get into we're gonna do three at the first part of the show three at the back half uh let's just get right into it um first award of the year this is a new one what's the best game to leave on while you're working you know mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in this in this remote uh remote work world that we're living in right now very easy to leave a game on while you're working to get some uh some reps in in between meetings or whatever um so yeah that this category is all about um highlighting some of the best that we felt from this year um, Jake, do you uh, feel strongly about going first or second, or yeah? Why don't you Why don't you lead this off? Because this one was your brainchild. This this category. So some of the qualities of a lot of these games are like one, you can easily pause them, or you can kind of leave them to play themselves, or they're they're games that don't require you to babysit them completely, or they have shorter game loops that you can kind of get in and get out of quickly. So anyways, uh, without further ado, um, let's see. My runners-up for this category, um, the first runner-up is Rogue Legacy 2. Uh, I played a ton of that game this year, and a lot of it was um, especially like bosses that I was kind of like beating my head against, like trying to to, uh, vanquish them. Uh, I I played a lot of this game... uh, you know, in between meetings and stuff like that. You're like on a lunch break, 10, 15 minutes, try a boss a handful of times and try to try to get that that victory. Uh, I, I felt like it was really good for that. Or you could make, you know, pro- progress through two or three rooms, pause it, come back to it later. I, I really, really liked that about this game. Um, I really liked Rogue Legacy 2 this year as well. Uh, I kind of bounced off the first one quite a bit. Um, but the second one, like they did a lot of really good stuff uh, in kind of changing how you, not how you unlock things, but the pace in which you do unlock things that makes the game open up wider to you faster. Uh, I, I just really liked it. they made a a compelling loop that like I I just I wanted to keep engaging with it so Rogue Legacy 2 first runner up for this category Uh, second runner up is Loop Hero Uh, this is a game that came out I think two years ago now I don't think it came out this past year no I don't think so either it was one that I kind of came to late and I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it Loop Hero is a a strange one Um, this was was also my runner up Ah, okay, yeah, so both runner-ups here. Uh, yeah. So it, it's like an auto-battler meets puzzle game, kind of. It's like, it's again, perfect game. game to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you, you're you a hero, one of three different classes. You're working around this like randomly generated loop where you put buildings on that loop that spawn monsters and other things that will 
give you gear and experience points to level up your character to ultimately take down a boss. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a fascinating game. We've talked about it a bunch on the podcast uh, throughout this year, so you'll go back to some of our older episodes to get uh, a little bit even more deepness on it. But like, I just I find the game to be incredibly satisfying and the perfect type of game that like. You can do a couple of loops in between tasks, in between things that doesn't require you to pay attention um, intensely the whole time. You can kind of run a loop, take a look at what you um, gathered during that loop, do some organizational stuff, set another loop up, go back to work, go back to doing whatever else you're doing, and then check back in later on it. Yeah, it's great for yeah. that. Absolutely great for that. Because you can, you can set um, it to pause at the start of the next loop. So it's just, yeah, you have it to pause set up your cards set up your map as best you can hit that play button and then just like do something else for you know either two minutes while the loop runs or for 30 minutes while you got something to do and then it just stays paused there you can look at the game state it's all pretty apparent um yeah it's it, it's it, there's enough to learn with the mechanics of the game and um the depth of it is isn't as much as some other roguelikes but it's present enough in a i don't know it it's so hard to describe because it's like it's simultaneously so opaque but just like since it's you get to build your own deck of like consistent cards that you go into it also becomes very like the runs become very similar to each other if you you optimize them well so it's mm-hmm. sort of it's 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 yeah it's not brain dead necessarily but you normally know what end state you're playing to based on the cards that you put into your deck. Yeah. And you also, there's a lot to like learn and discover. Like the Mm -hmm. first time I created a mountain or I created, you know, one of the more like advanced regions um, that you can put on the map. Like that was like a big aha moment for me. That's like, Oh, there's more depth here than I was initially thinking. There's more, choice here that you have to be strategic about that i was that i i I didn't think about that initially like it's Mm -hmm. just i absolutely love it um it's it's truly unique it's nothing like anything i had played before just it's a really it's a cool ass game it's a really cool ass game um so loop hero another runner-up uh, for best game to leave on at work. I, I did also like here is just, I just want to give a shout out to vampire survivors here. Um, that's a game that's coming up on a lot of people's best, the best games of the year list. And that I like that game. Um, I it's, I liked loop hero more. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it kept me, um, engaged more, but Vampire Survivors is also an awesome game and fits really well for this category as well. I I, I didn't want to shun Vampire Survivors completely, so I want to give it a shout out. I'm here. I'm glad um, you shouted it out. I I have complicated feelings towards that game because I I enjoy it. I think it's cool. I like the look of it and all of that. Um, I've fallen asleep twice while playing that game. <laughs> yeah, it's um, but it's I a game that like doesn't. It. Rec- I don't know. <laughs> If it doesn't weird. require a ton of attention. It doesn't require a ton of attention. Again, great for this category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but enough about games that didn't win the category. For me, the winner of this category is a game very near and dear to my heart that uh, hit early access this year. A game called Peglin. Peglin is a roguelife, roguelike Peggle. That's it. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, if you like Peggle, you should buy this game. 
If you like roguelikes, you should buy this game. If you like fun, you should buy this game. It gets, it's a, an awesome, like every single shot that you do with one of the little balls, the little peggles, it's own discrete thing. There's no timer. You can pause at any time, but it doesn't really matter. It's a perfect game to just leave up. And when you have a moment, do a, like shoot a couple balls, play a stage, whatever, then get back to whatever else you're doing. It's, it's very good. I've always loved Peggle, but I'm not like a score attack junkie. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that never grabbed me about Peggle. But the fact that Peglin is a roguelite and it is like you're you're fighting monsters and you're like uh, creating a deck of peg peggles to or like balls. I, I don't remember what they call them or stones or whatever. But things that you shoot onto the play field, you're creating a deck of those. Those are leveling up. You're also getting relics that augment different features and abilities. You're choosing which path you want to go down, which board you want to attempt. Um, there, there's a lot of the classic roguelite um, styling there. But the the game mechanic is Peggle, which Peggle rules. So <laughs> Peggle it, it's Peglin. Pe- yeah. Peglin is fantastic and it's definitely the best game to have on while you're working uh jake what about you what do you what are your thoughts on this category i think we could if we want to keep our jobs we could call this best roguelike of the year because i think that's what this has sort of become (laughs) (laughs) um my winner so my runner-up uh was loop hero i only had the one runner-up and then my winner is a uh, roguelike card game uh, a work friend recommended to me, so I guess it won't get me fired. Uh, Pirates Outlaws. Um, so I told you Ooh. a bit about this game off podcast, Tony, and it would have been one I would have talked about on our Splinter Cell episode had we uh, not been doing this one. So it is a uh, mobile card game, and it's designed for mobile, so it's a lot more uh, streamlined than Slay the Spire is, which is probably the most immediate comparison for this game. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So the hand size is hard capped at five. Um, So you're not going to have like these giant hands like you do in Slay the Spire. You can have at most one buff or debuff active on a character. So you're never going to have to like, yeah, we'll say the Spire, like some of those runs, you can get like buffs that are like 15 icons long. And there's a lot of material that you have to digest there at once. Um, whereas this, it's easy to like play a hand, set it down. When you come back to it, the game state is immediately apparent to you again. You don't have a lot of catching up that you need to do to realize where you are, um, say like you would in Slay the Spire. So it's, it's a much more approachable roguelite. Um, it's much smaller both in scope and in team size. Like I think the, the credits of that game fit onto one, one page. It's a very small team that made it. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it has good, compelling uh, card game mechanics. There aren't those really like deep and compounding synergy desks, decks like you get in Slay the Spire necessarily, just because the mechanics limit it a bit, a bit more. Um, but it just makes it more approachable in that way. So uh, whenever I say that, I just mean that in a way of approachable and it's like almost like a good thing, especially for this category. So that's uh, Pirates Outlaws for mobile. Um, great game, 99 cents. Uh, you can you know, unlock as you as you go. You pay a little bit extra, but just for that, that cheap of an entrance for that need of a game, uh, definitely, definitely my winner. 
Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, I, I love that a mobile game won it for you. That's sweet. It was, I just, you know, Tony. I love a good card game. I mean, if we want to get, have another brief episode of why I love the Pokemon trading card game, but we've done that enough times to know that Jake likes card games. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a card game boy. You're a card game boy. Uh, all right, so that is best game to leave on while you're at work. Pegland and what was it? Pirates, Pirates Outlaws? What? Pirates Outlaws. And Peglin, you are taking home the winner of best game to leave while you are working. Uh, next up is games most excited for slash like early access shout out. So these are games that are not quite out yet. Um, some uh, haven't even been um, released at all. Others uh, wanted to give a special section for shout out to early access games that are not quite out yet, uh, but we're excited for their full release. So, uh, Jake, go ahead and start us off on this one. Yeah, this one, this one is trickier for me, more like emotionally. So, um, just kind of part of not being able to play as many games as I could in previous years and just being distracted by other stuff. So I didn't even have it like laid out in front of me until uh, my family told me it's like I got married, changed jobs, and moved this year. So a lot, a lot of stuff filling moves my time cross country and my you move cross mind. country yeah. <laughs> so you didn't just move cross country. i'm not i'm not like as keyed in as tony is to those indie games those smaller games which is one of the reasons why i really like doing this with you tony you tell me about all these things i haven't heard about yet so my list is like the big games of 2023 the ones that are gonna are making the most press now are all remakes and sequels so that's kind of what my list is going to be mostly um I want to put, so I have two honorable mentions. Um, it felt wrong to not have Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom here after Breath of the Wild 2 was on my most anticipated game uh, three years running. I, Every time we've done this podcast, that game has came up it, for this I think category. It was number one for maybe all three years. Um, but honestly, like throughout the year, I was just like, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, there's been so much time since Breath of the Wild came out, and if they're not going to do something that, like, feels really different, I don't I don't know. Because so much of Breath of the Wild's, um, like, amazing game feel and, like, open-world exploration and like, wonder and awe is a lot that you get better at that game not necessarily by getting better gear and whatnot, but by getting more knowledge. Like, so when you start your second playthrough of Breath of the Wild, you're basically just miles ahead of where you were when you started the first playthrough of that game. That's the kind of game I wish I could play it again for the first time. And I don't know what the sequel's going to do. And if it's too similar, then that that problem's going to be there. So that's why it's only an honorable mention at this point instead of actually on the list, because I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to uh, feel about that. Je Tears of the Kingdom won it for me because I, I'm almost on like the opposite end of the spectrum for you <laughs> on that. Whereas like... I was I've been excited about that game, but it hasn't been like my most excited game. There's always been things bigger in my mind. But now that I've seen more of it, that they've shown more, I'm like, yep, gimme that. Gimme, 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 gimme. So that that's the top of it. And now that we have a date, yeah. We actually know it's coming out next year, or we're very ninety-nine percent sure it's coming out next year. Yes. Um, that makes me a lot more excited. So that's actually my winner of this category. Oh, nice. Uh, yes. Then my my second runner up is um, Spider Man Two. Uh, I Marvel Spider Man uh, for the PS4 was 
one of the games that got me to buy the PS4. Like, I waited a long time before buying that because I was just so heavy on the PC. But um, that and God of War were what put me over the edge. Got my PS4. Fucking phenomenal game. Um, but I don't know if it's going to push me over the edge to get a PS5. So, again, only honorable mention, not on the list. But on to the list proper, Tony. My runner-up for most excited for anticipated game of next year the system shock remake yeah uh system shock 2 i was surprised how much i enjoyed that game when we played it um system or the remake seems like it's gonna really be able to put in those like aspects of like bioshock where they really kind of perfected that not perfected but like uh, honed in on that kind of gameplay loop a lot more and kind of like showed what it could be in a more, I guess, like, robust 3D setting. But, um, like, all the trailers for this, all, like, the images, it just looks so atmospheric. And I am amped to get into that to that realistic sim and uh, face off with Shodan again. Because this, like, the vibes of that game look so cool. And if the mechanics are able to be evocative of those, of those other shock games in that series, then I think we're going to have a pretty cool game on our hands. Hell yeah, dude. It's funny you mentioned that because System Shock 3 was on my list last year, and uh, System Shock is not on my list this year, but like, we're both holding the torch I guess, yeah, for that if series. It's, if we, it's the remake or if it's three, like one or the other of those, like System Shock, a System Shock. Period, is on yes. my list <laughs> for most anticipated yes. game. Um, yep. But the winner this year, most anticipated game of 2023, Bethesda Starfield. You know, yeah. I can't get me enough of a Bethesda RPG. I, I'm just chomping at the bit for the next Elder Scrolls, but I also have that like same kind of like almost sense of of dread about it. Where I think a lot of the mechanics that changed from Oblivion to Skyrim were very much downgrades, um, especially with like the magic system. So I'm a little scared about what six is going to be, but I also know that that's probably like another fucking five years down the line before I can play that game. Um, and I hope they trust the player more with six and put more of that complexity into the game. Um, and I think what's going to be a good bellwether of that is Starfield, the next game they have coming out. Um, I like me, I like me a sci-fi, mostly like me a sci-fi over medieval stuff or like sword and board things. So going to be psyched for that. I thought um, Outer Worlds, that's Outer Wilds was the good one outer worlds was the okay one uh i thought that was yeah, that was just okay i think that did some neat things but i am um excited for bethesda to take a shot at the space rpg and um i think hope it's gonna be gonna be a, a really great next gen rpg experience i'll be able to run on my computer yeah yeah that's a good call i didn't even think about that <laughs> Clearly, because, you know, I'm not a Bethesda <laughs> fan, really. But, um, yeah, that, that's a game that I'm also, like, a little bit excited about. Like, I, I will wait and see what reviews say about the game before I jump in. But, like, I'm ready to hurt again, Bethesda. I'm ready for you guys to hurt my feelings again <laughs> with how you design your RPGs. So, like, I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Nice. Well, yeah, what are, what are your runners up? And then we'll let you talk more about Tears of the Kingdom, too. Um, so let's see the early access shout out, uh, that I want to give here. And like, I, I truly am very, very excited about like the 1.0 of this game. It's a game I haven't talked about in the podcast at all, but I've put in like a lot of hours into it. Another game that actually would have been decent for our last category, but I want it to be like in its own, 
its own space because I, I do think this game is really um, a very much a Tony game. It's called Lost in Fantaland. It's a very strange name, mm-hmm. but this is a roguelike grid bakes tactics game that is also like a deck builder. So um, I haven't seen a lot of games like this, um, but it's basically... You start the game, you pick a class between there's three classes that are on the screen there, but there's not a lot of this fleshed out yet because it is early access and it just kind of launched um, not not too long ago. But there will be several different classes that have subclasses within them that will kind of set up the archetype of your character. Are they melee? Are they magic? Are they like a rogue? You know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that kind of sets up the, the basic template of the cards that you're going to have in your hand and the type of items you'll also start with. And then the game kind of progresses into not necessarily a Slay the Spire type map, but a map where you will have uh, like a starting location and then you'll have kind of two different nodes that you can pick from that will have that have different symbols that it's like this is going to be a fight. This is a shop. This is an event, you know, all those different type of things. And you have like your entire like stage laid out for you in terms of like, you know, uh, squares that you can't see what they are versus uh, versus when you can see. And when you pick a node, complete whatever that task is, it will open up the adjoining um uh, events to you and you can kind of uh, go through all these different nodes to power up or to get whatever you need to fight the boss at the end before you move on to the next level so it's a pretty simplistic like setup there but the actual grid-based tactics part of it is it's so much fun uh, the game board is always the same amount of like pieces but it's laid out you know uh, procedurally different every time there'll be different um objects on the field you know traps that you can use or barriers that you have to move through there's tons of different enemies that all have different several different types of uh, attacks they can do um there's tons and tons of cards and items it this feels like a lot of other like early access roguelike games that we talk about that's like man once there's more content in this game it's gonna be incredible that that's something that we're gonna we're talk about with another game on this list uh later on but um yeah i, I this game lost in Fantaland. i i can't I can't quite put my finger on why I love it so much, but I I, I end up playing this game qu- every other day, maybe every day sometimes, like just like little bits and pieces here and there. It's just like a really, it's a really, really nice grid-based tactics roguelike game that um, I haven't seen done like this before. I haven't seen it uh, like been done to this level of like intuitiveness and like strategic complexity and like it it's a ton of fun i i cannot wait to see what happens next with this game and where where it continues to build but but yeah i'm i'm super duper excited for this game lost in fanta land definitely check that out folks um so uh i guess like the first or the, the second place here, or the first runner-up, or whatever, however you want to call it. Um, Armor Core 6. Ooh, so this was yeah. uh, just just announced, I believe. It, what is the name of it again? It's like Fires of the Rubicon or something I like think, that. Yeah, I, I think, think that's so. what it is. I think it's Fires of the Rubicon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fires of the Rubicon. Um, I'm so, so freaking excited. Like, I... I really like Armor Core, or at least I like what 
I remember Armor Core being. I played a lot of Armor Core 1 and 2 and then kind of fell off as the series kind of fell off. Um, mm-hmm. But I always love the idea of it, that I get to build my own mech and then I get to pilot it. And piloting it is not easy. It's hard. Yeah. So I get to be very expressive in how I control my mech and build my mech, which like is a very, um, very fun and very like uh, engaging idea to me. Um, Cause it's like, I'm building my fighting game character. That's also <laughs> a cool fucking mech yeah. robot that like controls, you know, frustratingly at times, you know, like it's, it, it can be a little bit difficult to Mechs get your hands around the controls. That's why you need right. magical gifted children to pilot them in anime. That's why you gotta be a new type, right? Like yep. I, I love, I just love that idea. So the I so this thought that FromSoft now coming off of like really an unprecedented streak of success, they have completely kind of turned themselves around as a studio, mm-hmm. and this is their shot at one of like my favorite IPs of theirs. Well, it, it it is my favorite IP of theirs outside of you know now Elden Ring, but like. I, I have been waiting for this moment for somebody to take another crack at like a really dope mech shooter that's got or a mech game that has really good graphics and, you know, is unapologetic in its design. And FromSoft does not apologize. No, exactly. Like they've learned so much from what they've made in, uh, you know, this last like decade plus. And I'm just I'm just so curious what they come out on the other side of this with it could be garbage. Like it could be really bad. It could, it could end like I, I am, I am preparing myself for a situation where this game isn't good. Um, mm-hmm. or it's like really obtuse and like, I, cause that's how some of the older games were. And man, if they could just nail it though, like the upside is huge here. I've also like heard recently that like the campaign is not going to be co-op. It's going to be focused on like a single player uh, campaign and there'll be other multiplayer stuff in there. But like the actual core experience is like a single player one, which I'm like super fine with. I'm like, I am very interested to see what happens with this franchise now. And watching that trailer got me so hyped up, even though there was no gameplay in that. It was just like, here's, the the feelings they're trying to evoke here's what kind of what the graphical styling looks like and i'm like all about it i also have these ideas um and i'm sure the internet is ablaze with these things as well that like this is how FromSoft connects armor core to the dark souls series in some way because yeah. like i the ending of dark souls 3 is basically the fire goes out and now this game is fire of the rubicon like i could see like this being the world of Dark Souls set thousands of years in the future, and there are things about the Dark Souls universe that like come to life again. That like okay. you'll start to see some of the same like maybe visual language, certain design trope, you, certain things like you could start to see like oh, this is connecting with the other games in some way. Like that would be a lot of fun for me, you know. Like I. Maybe that doesn't mean anything. Maybe it doesn't happen at all. But like, just the like, we're in that that part where we can just um, 
just completely live in imagination <laughs> and like what <laughs> exactly and i and i'm all about it this is uh yeah i haven't been this excited about a game like this in a very long time i feel like yeah. so yeah it's um, uh it's a little contagious because i mean arbor core is one of those series i have heard of before never played the games and then when that trailer dropped you were just like all over discord you put that trailer in like four different chats and just like yeah look at this i'm so psyched and yeah it's a little it's a little contagious i like mechs mechs are cool i haven't played too many mech games but i would love to and the thing that i love about armor core is that it's kind of like um you've seen like things like mech warrior or like some of the other mech game BattleTech maybe where um they have a lot of different styles of mech. It's not mm-hmm. just a bunch of Gundams walking around. It's like you can build just like a, a tread based tank, you know, like you can build that and run that. Yeah. Um, but, but you can't also make a humanoid, you know, melee weapon centered mech. That's all about, you know, expert piloting, dodging attacks. But when it gets in close, it can like destroy everything, you know, like it gives you Piles that on, yeah. Gundam. Yeah, it gives you that, like, Gundam feeling, you know, like, OG Gundam, where you had a Gundam that could, like, take out battalions, but it's really hard. You also had, like, gun tanks, and you had, like, smaller, more, like, like tank tread-based machines that were doing their part in the war effort. You know, like, I, it's just, like, fascinating world of mechs that I just, I cannot wait to, to get uh, thrown back into with this layer of developmental expertise that from has 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 um developed yeah. or like gained over time so it's just it's really really exciting for me um and the the winner it's tears of the kingdom for me mainly because like like we had talked about before like i'm i'm itching for this the new things that this game is going to have uh, again wildly speculating right i keep thinking this game is going to have multiplayer at some point this game is going to feature ganondorf in some sort of major way there's going to be a better like um sword battling system. like i keep thinking of all these things that like i know for sure quote unquote are going to be in this game and i'm like super duper excited for it um again wildly speculating but like now that we have a date now that we know we're going to get our hands on this game Mo- mm, yeah. you know very likely next year I- i'm pumped I- i'm ready for a new zelda um yeah i i, I can't wait in like release date right i think so yeah, yeah. it would be yeah, so i don't think have to wait it would be it would be bonkers if it didn't come out this year <laughs> it would be bonkers yeah it would be bonkers and like not to to take away from some of the conversations we're going to have later about Elden Ring, because we're going to get into Elden Ring uh, in a large way here. This 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 is basically the international hey, I like that game awards uh, 2022 slash the Elden Ring episode. <laughs> um, like, that's basically what we're at here. But one of the things that I wanted to, to say in, in regards to Tears of the Kingdom, the new Breath of the Wild, is that like that game showed me what open world game design could be and how it could mesh with how I like to play games. Elden Ring perfected it in my mind. And we can talk about that more when we get there. But like, I kind of want to see how I'm going to react to a new Breath of the Wild style game. Now having played another open world game that I think is even better than Breath of the Wild in terms of like a lot of the things you can do within it and how engaged I was with it. Like I'm ready to see the, 
um, the clap back from Nintendo. <laughs> like I'm ready to see what they're able to, uh, what they were able to make in uh, maybe not in response to Elden Ring, but like uh, in a world where Elden Ring exists. Yes. Um, yeah. So very excited for that. I agree. Uh, I completely forgot. Can I? I'm just gonna sneak in uh, Ember Knights for early access game in this category. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Some some interesting stuff uh, coming out next year. I oh man. Tune in, tune in for whatever our Tears of the Ki- uh, Kingdom episode is going to end up being like. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, for winner of games most excited about, I have Tears of the Kingdom. And Jake, you were? I was, who was I again? Starfield. Starfield. Winners. Congratulations to the winners. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, last game before we hit a break here is a big one. Uh, game of the Year 2022. So these are only games that came out either full release or into early access this year. Um, these are the only games that are on this list for us. Uh, Jake, I'll go ahead and start us off here. Yeah. Um, so my runner's up. Um, I I have three of them in here. I know we were trying to only do like two in a winner. Um but the, the first one I'll say, I also want to say Ember Knights here. Like, yeah. I could have also shouted this out in the early access shoutouts, but, like, I, I wanted to put it in this category because I have sunk a ton of time into Ember Knights this year. I really, really like the way that that game's coming together. Every time they drop new content, it's it's good, and it's, like, well thought out. It adds something, you know, missing from the game in a large way, and, like, it's just... That game just keeps getting better. And kind of like I said about Lost in Fontaland, um, I really, really am excited for the future of this game. Uh, but I initially I had, had to put it on the, in this category and then yeah, moved it's, into early access like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Ember Knights is really, really good, regardless if it's early access or not. Like it's one of the best games that came out this year, in my opinion. It's that game is sick. Um, another game that kind of fits that category is Across the Obelisk for me. Um, Across the Obelisk is like a, we've talked about in the show a little bit, it's like a um, party-based Slay the Spire that has uh, co-op done in a really like fun way. Uh, I- I've played this game with a ton of different people over the course of the year and had a ton of fun doing it. Um, I think that game kind of overstates its welcome after a while because like i was having such a fun time playing with other people mm-hmm. as like a hangout game yeah. and then like after a while you can kind of just figure it out like okay here are the characters we need to eat need to use here's the build that we need to do and we will win you know like if you enjoy experimenting and trying out a bunch of different styles there's a ton of characters a ton of cards a ton of variability in that game but like I, I kind of once I dropped it, I kind of hard dropped it. Mm. I'll come back to it again later. But the time that I spent in that game, especially with friends, was excellent. And one of my favorite experiences this year in games. I feel like just uh, really comprehensive or easily implemented multiplayer elevates a game so much. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's what ties together both Ember Knights and Across the Obelisk. Uh, yeah, like these totally. are these are two games that are like uh, emblematic of other like really good games in the genre. Ember Knights kind of like a like a Hades like experience, mm-hmm. and uh, Across the Obelisk like a Slay the Spire like experience. But they both do co op incredibly well, which always resonates with me. So um, those two definitely need to get a shout out for the game of the year. Um, the true number two game of the year in my mind 
is Tunic. Nice. I fucking love Tunic. I think Tunic is one of the best games to come out this year and is one of the better games to come out in the last five, ten years. I think Tunic is a easier to approach um, game that has an effect like Fez had on me where this is a game that is one thing, but hiding in plain sight, it is something else in that there are puzzles that are deep to the mystery of the world, to the fabric of the reality that the developer created that are hiding within plain sight while you are playing the game that you think you're playing. You know, like Tunic kind of shows itself as a, uh, Link to the Past, Zelda-like uh, experience that has like elements of Dark Souls in there, like Souls-likes, mm-hmm. where you have a currency that you collect. When you die, you drop it. You can go pick it back up. There are things to upgrade at like quote-unquote bonfires and things like that. But the more and more you dig into the game, you realize there's there's so much more depth there in like the puzzles in the world itself. Combat is a little simplistic at times. I definitely, um, I understand people's complaints when it comes to that. Um, but the, the mystery of the game is, is amazing. And like, I really liked Fez, but that game at times, like the puzzle, like the hidden puzzle, the thing that's, you know, that, that is really curious about Fez. Yeah was like very difficult for me. Yeah. I had a really hard time logicking through a lot of that stuff. That was the stuff. same problem I had with Braid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like, um, maybe I'm just dumb. I don't I don't know. But there's something about the way that Tunic did a lot of those same things that I was able to figure out and logic through. It, the, the thing that I haven't mentioned yet that's like one of the coolest things about the game is that like, its instruction manual is a collectible in the game and you're finding pages from the old school game manual, like more evocative of like an NES manual than Mm -hmm. anything else. And you're finding these pages throughout the world, which are giving you clues about the game in which you are playing. So there are things in the game that you can do from the onset, like, Oh, I can press start and press this button that brings up this menu. You can do that stuff. That's like institutional knowledge that you learn through like the game manual. But like you said about like breath of the wild, like playing this game for the second time, you come to it with all that knowledge. Cause you don't need the instruction manual pages like you start to do the things. Do that ability. Just, you don't know. You yes, ex- exactly. Exactly. The game like reveals itself in a very intriguing way um, that leads to like your first playthrough being like very, very different than your second. Your second playthrough becomes more like a speed run and Mm. the game like wants you to do that. Um, It's just the game is is absolutely fascinating. I love the look of it. The little fox is so cute. The little enemies in the world design are bright and vibrant when it wants to be and like you know sad depressing evil looking when it needs to be the music is my most played uh soundtrack of a game <laughs> probably of all time at this point wow. like it was like all i listened to this year it was it was all over my spotify unwrapped mm-hmm. i listened to it all year long it's like one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. I just, I love the music so, 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 so much. Um, absolutely incredible. It, 
I want to be really forceful on how much I'm saying Tunic is a fucking incredible game because, like, I want this to be number one on my list, but, like, I can't do yes. that because Elden Ring because is, the, like... Yeah, elephant li- in the room. <laughs> yeah, because Elden Ring is, like, one of the best games that's ever been made ever. Mm-hmm. Like, it is one of the best of all time. It is, it is incredible how great Elden Ring is. But in any other year where Elden Ring doesn't come out, Tunic is probably my number one. To, like, please go play Tunic. I believe it's on Game Pass. It's not a super expensive game. It's on Switch now. It's everywhere. Go play Tunic. The game is fucking incredible. It's so, 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 so good. So, 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 I so, love so, Tunic. So, so. It hurt me so much that, like, Tunic got, like, zero love at the Game Awards. Because, yeah. God, that game is so good. And, like, of any game that I want to, like, you know, push up and like give the the hey i like that game bump too like tunic is one of them you know it's like tunic and ember tunic ember knights and last infantiland those are the games it's like go like i want to put my seal of approval on those games because they're so fucking good and everyone should play them um but yes everyone should play tunic the game fucking rocks should i do my honorable mentions or should we start talking about elden yeah, ring yeah, right yeah. now <laughs> no no, no. We, you can do your own but we can get elden ring last yeah i guess again uh, i didn't play a lot of a lot of new games uh tunic was one of the games this year i wanted to play didn't play um there are a few other that like very much probably could have ended up on this list uh citizen sleeper bayonetta 3 uh sifu horizon forbidden west uh call to the lamb I, if i had played any of them there's a good chance they might have ended up on this list I just didn't. They look great. Um, I especially, I want to play uh, Sifu and Citizen Sleeper. Those are the two on that list that I'm most amped to play. So uh, maybe stay tuned for those on the best game played for next uh, award or next year. But uh, my honorable mention, so I have two honorable mentions. Uh, first is God of War Ragnarok. Um, mm-hmm. This almost certainly would have been on my list had I been able to play more of it. Um, but I'm still squarely in the first, like, 20% of that game. Um, so I got a lot more to go through. But what I've been playing so far, I like. I like it more than the God of War PS4 for reasons I haven't really been able to nail down yet. Um, so didn't feel comfortable putting it on the list yet, but honorable mention. Then honorable mention two is Total War Warhammer 3. Uh, yep. Because the Demons of Corn campaign is so fun every other approach to like a total war campaign i haven't really had a lot of fun with it gets kind of like bogged down i kind of get tired of it before i get to the end um but the mechanic for corn is so good you can uh like you have to like keep getting into battles to keep your bloodlust high and if you capture a, a city you can raise it to the ground to spawn your own demon army like temporary demon army so it's like all aggro all the time campaign and uh that's super fun um pretty much other every other warhammer total war campaign was meh for me except for that so honorable mention and then my runner-up uh tony i talked about this game a little bit on a previous episode is the VR game, The Last Clockwinder. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was a basically you make clones of yourself that make a machine pretty much. Just like get items from A to B and you might need to like transform them a little bit on the way and you just like make like replays and clones of yourself that make this make this system, make this chain. Um 
I replayed it again uh, not too long ago. It's like a quick, quick breeze through. You can beat that game in like two hours, maybe. Uh, and it's just, it's so lovely to lose yourself in it because it's a very, I don't want to say like plain game, but it's like nice and charming. It's like very much something you can like lose yourself in. And the way you have to adapt to the way your own machine is being built kind of like, oh, like I didn't exactly you know, throw that ball where I wanted to. So now I kind of have to like, work with that as part of the chain because to like go back and try to change it so many like clones in the past isn't really possible so it's just like it's really like almost like breezy uh immersive puzzle game that you can optimize if you want to or just like just fucking play it and it's a great time uh yeah so last clockwinder runner up and now we can talk about elden ring (laughs) our joint game of the year (laughs) Dude, Elden Ring is absolutely it's it's so good. It's so Crazy. good. I, I yeah. It's not hyperbole to say it's one of the best games that's ever been made. I I don't I really don't think that's hyperbole. No, um, I don't think so either. I think so. My it, just my only negatives for this game is I think kind of like what we were talking about with uh, Scarlet Violet is some of that scaling at the end game is just like numbers are too big on some of the enemies, and if your numbers aren't big enough, you're gonna get like one shot or two shot by most things, which doesn't feel great if you haven't done enough of like the side stuff or not necessarily grinding um up to that point so that's really like my only complaint is i think the third act drags and has some pretty weird scaling but like shit yeah you're right tony this is phenomenal one of the best games ever it it's it's so good at so many of the things that it is setting out to do it like like I had said earlier, like Breath of the Wild showed me what an open world game could be and like why it would be enjoyable to me. Like they finally like showed me how how this could be good. Elden Ring said, okay, we're going to show you that, but more, better. And we're going to put the focus on the thing that I care the most about, which is like the combat and like mm-hmm. the RPG elements. So it's like I... I played Dark Souls for the first time this year as well in like kind of preparation for Elden Ring to because I, I had never really put a ton of time into those games previously. I, I've always kind of bounced off them and all of that. And I started to like get Dark Souls 1, why people liked it. But there was just like all this other esoteric shit piled on top of it that was just like, ah, I don't like this or I don't like having to bash my head against a single boss over and over and over and over again. You know, like I, mm, I don't yeah. like that loop as much. Like I like that loop in some games. Like I talked about that, like in Rogue Legacy 2 earlier on this podcast. But like the the FromSoft games, are, they're so hard that sometimes you just don't want to fight that hard boss again. You're getting killed in one, two hits. You just don't get their their pattern or you just, you know, whatever. The thing I hated about Dark Souls when I played it before was that like you felt stuck a lot of times yeah, and it's yeah. like, here's this fucking mountain in front of you. If you can't climb this mountain, well, there's nothing behind it that you can see. And Elden Ring says no to that. If you get stuck on a boss, leave, go somewhere go else. Somewhere else. Yeah. The, the world is huge and it's not like there are a bunch of big barriers in your way that like segregates the world. There's only a handful of areas that you just like cannot get to until you have like particular items or particular like 
events in the world yeah. that have taken place. So like there the 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 amount of wonder so that good. like comes yeah. from that. Yep, yep. It's like there's just so much so much sense of discovery and you know, you don't have to worry about like so much scaling in the beginning of the game because it's supposed to be hard, right? Like it's built in expectation that like yeah, some of these enemies are going to be able to kill you really easily. Um, it tells you that so when right you run into some go when you leave that first tutorial area and run into that tree sentinel that wrecks your shit if you try to fight it. Exactly. It's showing you right away y- you can run past stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't need to fight everything here. And I took that to heart. So I explored, you know, the thing that we talked about with Pokémon Scarlet uh in our last episode of like I I have found exploring these open worlds now to be like a fun thing for me you know like i like jumping on my mount trying to jump through some weird stuff to get to like a weird part of the map and just like seeing everything unlocking all of the map and just seeing everything i find that to be really fun and in pokemon um it's not great you're not always um rewarded for that exploration in an elden ring that is not the case you know, any spot that is difficult to get to for the most part usually has a treasure at the end of it. You know, like anything that seemed like it was impossible for you to do or like there's no way they designed for this. It's like, oh, no, no, they totally did. Exactly. Um, you feel like you're they're... tricking Elden Ring a lot of times. And then like you get there and then there's a sign that says, haha, I knew you'd be here. But like in a way that's still satisfying. Uh, yeah. And I like that you brought up the open world of uh, Scarlet and Violet because... I complained a little bit about the the way verticality was used in that open world, where it's almost just like, here's a naturally occurring maze that's just like of really high walls you can't capture or can't climb. Where in Elden Ring, it's just like, the verticality is to, one, make the landmarks visible from very far away, um, and then Mm -hmm. like also to gate progress, but also to direct progress to certain areas. Like, cool, like, if you do want to get up that mountain, you'll have to go through this area so you can get to the path that goes up to it. But, like, you know it's there because it's way the hell high up uh, and it's visible everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the open world design is fantastic. It's that wonder that you're, you're talking about is everywhere in Elden Ring. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and the game looks so good. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like... One of the things I didn't like about Dark Souls, like when I played the first one and, and kind of looked at all the other ones, is that the world is so dark and dour. And I know that there are locations in Dark Souls 1 that I didn't get to yet that like are different from that, that are like, you know, there's more colors, more vibrancy and stuff like that. But typically, yes, yeah, from really. soft Souls games or things that are you know, like Bloodborne, things like that. They're really depressive and use a lot of dark colors. And Elden Ring has parts of the world that's like that, but it also has spots like Kaelid, or it has spots like, um, uh, God, I can't remember the location. Of, I can't remember. I just like, I, well, you, you think about it because I want to talk about how amazingly cool it is to get to Kaelid for the first time. Because I, I think like my th- like three ish playthroughs I've had of that game now. I never, like, you never, like, walk to Kaelid. You always kind of, like, get teleported there or something like that. And then you go outside for the first time, and you're just like, 
oh my god, the sky is red. This is, like, such a drastic change in scenery, and there's a scarlet rot everywhere, and the enemies are just terrifying because, like, all that visual language is showing you this place is harsh and fucked, and everything's, like, monstrous and, like, degrading a little bit. It's such an amazing introduction to just one of the sections of this map. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The game looks so good. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, the teleporting into Kalid, like everybody has that moment uh, for the most part in that game or has like a moment like it where you open a chest and you get teleported somewhere where you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no mimics in this game. So like their mimic is this teleport like shit. Trap chest, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like you open it and now you're somewhere else. And sometimes you're in a spot that's like, oh, it's not too bad. And sometimes it puts you in a really shitty position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that ha- that happened to me and Kaled. Like I-, I opened the one chest that teleports you into those mines and you are fucked. It's like you no are good. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you, there's no way you can fight those things in there yet. But it teaches you. Here's how you run. Here's how you escape situations. You know, like even though that was like frustrating, like dying over and over and over again in there, it was like. Well, I'm not losing souls anymore because those are already gone. Um, what can I find here? What item, like, what chest can I find? What items can I find? What tele, like, um, uh, what what um, sites of grace can I find so I can t- travel back here, get out of here? You know, like, right. what resources can I squirrel out of this bad situation? Yeah, it ended up being like f- interesting. And once you finally got out of that that cave, it's like, oh hell yeah, I'm out of here. Let's see. Oh fuck. Where am I now? This is so different than where I was before. And it's so dangerous. And, and it's like because of how cool it looks. And there are ways you can you can run, you can hide, you can sneak, like you can get through there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And like there are so many little things you can talk about that was just like so smart. Like I really thought that optional tutorial at the very beginning of the game where you just like drop down and it kind of walks you through. Here are all the like elements of this game. Here's how you like, here's how you attack. Here are items you, you want to sneak sometimes. Like it walks you through all those things. And it's like a perfect little tutorial that like is tightly uh, designed and compacted. Like you jump down this hole and then you do all the tutorial stuff. You come out. Uh, like at right above where you jumped in basically there's a little item up there and you drop down boom you're still at the start of the game but you still explored this little area and it didn't like take you out of it and you can also run right past it if you didn't if you're not like paying attention to the detail Mm -hmm. like i know we were talking about in like splinter cell that like oh i i want the tutorial to be a part of the game and this elder ring feels like it does it like perfectly where it's like it is a part of the game, but you can walk right past it if you're one, not paying attention, which that that is suddenly the game punishing you, right? See, like I you're not right paying attention because I saw it. I'm like, that's a trick. That's there to kill people, and I just walked right, right by it, it, and I never did the tutorial. It, <laughs> exactly. It's like it's it's a game. It's a game that's trying to teach you a lot of different ways, and it's like. And I also think it it benefits from the fact that people are well aware of some of the things that FromSoft games do. You know, like they'll put an enemy in a tricky location that you can't see that is quote unquote unfair. You know, like all of that 
mystique is already like built into the game without ever playing it. Mm-hmm. So there's like some of that element there, but then like <sighs> there's so many viable builds that you can exactly that's exactly what I wanted game. to say too. Like a lot of people will say like early on everyone was building blood, you know, blood loss debt, uh, blood loss builds, you know, using double katana and that's what I ended up going towards like to beat the game. But I have also seen people destroy the game with just sorcery mm-hmm. or just faith builds or doing wacky other stuff. Like there's just there's so many items, there's so many spells, there's so much to discover in the world and it and they make it very easy to respec your character too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can try all that stuff. Yeah. Um so fun. Yeah. And even like the the jumping being uh, added in and like as a part of combat either in dodging low blows or just like to have like a power swing that's going to do more like uh poise damage adds i think a lot more complexity to melee builds that was normally kind of reserved only for magic builds in other other souls games yeah like that yep. jumping and um one part i really like because i did a uh strength shield and like big weapon build and there's uh like the i forget what it's called but like the basically you like block and then you press strong attack within a few frames of that you kind of do like a big counter hit that does a lot of poise damage but you can like still get hit in that animation because your shield's gone down um but yeah like that extra mechanic the jumping makes melee more complex and satisfying in a game where you can also fire a Death Star laser with magic. Yep, 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 yep. And like, and maybe this was the case in other Souls games that I wasn't aware of, but like, it felt you could, it felt like you could very easily say, eh, I'm not going to use a shield. I'm not going to parry. I'm just going to dodge attacks Mm -hmm. and run around. Like, it's totally viable to do that in this game. That's what I did. I never used a parry, really. Like, I, I maybe, like, once or twice just to kind of, like, um, try out different weapons and, like, oh, I know how this mechanic worked and whatever. But it wasn't for me. I, I like just straight dodging. I just want to dodge roll. I'm not going to get hit, and I'm going to hit you a lot. Um, totally viable. But like you said, you can also build sword and shield and just, like, block a ton of attacks. You know, there's just... There's so many different ways you can approach any combat situation and you layer that with the fact that you can approach any of these combat situations almost at any time in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It just it just adds a lot of complexity and a lot of flavor and it directly addressed all of the things, all of my, my major complaints about Dark Souls. It addressed all of them and 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 squashed it like i just there are things that you can say you don't like about elden ring like i think a hero grave is bullshit all of the hero graves fucking suck i don't like them for the most part i don't like i don't like a hero grave. it's literally the last note that i have written in my spreadsheet when i was taking notes on uh, elden ring it just says fuck a hero grave i don't like those i don't like those at all but it's such a small part of all the great things that are in it and it's like oh yeah it's pretty esoteric how you set up co-op and all that stuff and it's just all the souls games feel like they have some of that just archaic bullshit in it Mm -hmm. but 
all of the like frustrating gameplay stuff in terms of like hitting your head against the wall constantly or feeling like there's only like one way to solve this problem. All of that just went away. And then they added a super fun world to explore on top of that, you know? Yeah, it's great. I had no expectations for this game. I originally was not planning on buying it just because I had, I had been, I have, I've tried from games before I tried dark souls, dark souls three and bloodborne and they all intrigued me, but I never grasped them. Uh, so I didn't plan on buying Elden Ring, but you were very insistent. And then the buzz was so, so good that I, I just, I'm very glad I picked it up. It's so fun. The approach to it for a souls like, uh, helps, helps me get it. Like I enjoy those other games now, uh, a lot more than I did before, just cause like Elden Ring sort of, taught me how to interact with those games better because it's i don't know it's just like a longer game and it allows more exploration it almost requires more exploration so yeah phenomenal game and uh it makes other video games better by its own existence (laughs) yeah i totally totally and like the one the one last thing i wanted to bring up about this game is that um you know I have gotten into like hacks and mods a little bit this year and over the course of the last several years. I've never been somebody who like wants to put like every mod in the world on Skyrim and see how fucking crazy and broken it is. But like, you know, I like like playing a Pokemon ROM hack. I like, you know, um, adding a a mod or two here or there. Elden Ring is going to be a game that I'm going to mod the shit out of for years and years to come. We've talked about this before. Uh, personally but like i cannot wait for an elden ring randomizer to be like stable and working well i cannot wait for that just like i love playing a randomized pokemon game i cannot wait to see what some you know fans come up with in terms of like randomizing weapon and like spell locations and all of that stuff like that can make for some really fun and interesting runs where you start as you know that level one like a character where you've got nothing and you have to build yourself up over time, finding the random items throughout the world. You know, you're not targeting certain parts of the game world because you know where the, the items are at. It is fully thinking on your feet, building as you go mm-hmm. and trying to take on this challenge. Like I, I cannot wait for that to be a thing. Like one of the We've been playing that tr- first playthrough. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, We've been playing that true co-op mod that yes. removes a lot of the um, the restrictions with co-op. And that's been a shit ton of fun, too. And it's like, this is a game that's going to be installed on my computer forever. F- forever. Yeah. It's just going to be there because it's it's so expansive. There's so much potential for the future. Like I said, in mods, but also DLC, right? They haven't mentioned a DLC yet, but they're they're could be a dlc that comes to this game and like who know who the hell knows yeah, what like could that, come that from that multiplayer you know? patch like the coliseum pvp oh yeah thing. the coliseum yeah and yeah like, I, which, I don't hey, that could be fun i i haven't messed with the pvp like at all in in elden ring but man yeah so good yeah it, it it's it's so good and it neither one of us have talked about the story at all which i think is you know still one of the things that from does so unique for better or for worse yeah, yeah. It's like some people really love how um like cagey the story is and like how like they don't tell it in a straightforward way. It's through item descriptions and one-off character notes and like 
just all sorts of like weird stuff like that. I'm not super into it, but I will say it was more intriguing than playing through the Dark Souls games. You know, yeah. like I got more story playing through this game than I did through um, playing through my bit of Dark Souls one. And uh, I, I'm very intrigued on how they continue to build this universe with these characters. Um, but yeah, it it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible video game. It really is. I incredible. I would need to like sit and digest on Elden Ring for a while, a year or so, but it it could easily be in my top 10 games of all time, I think. Very easily. Like I, you know, I, I did my top 10 games for, uh, for the charity stream. And like, I kind of already talked about all of that stuff. Like what, what are those games for me? But like really Elden Ring not being on that list. I, I, I kind of beat myself up over it. Cause like it, it kind of should be in there. It kind of should be, in there. but, um, but yeah, anyways, it's it's an incredible video game. And and maybe maybe in the future, Elden Ring will be in my top 10. Um, it, you know what? If I if I had to pick individual games and not like my top 10 idea where it's like both like franchises and games yeah. a little bit, if I Elden Ring would be in there then, because then I would I would like get rid of some things, you know, <laughs> and, and switch things around. But uh, yeah, Elden Ring game of the year 2022 for sure. Yeah. You've with a probably heard how good it is already from a lot of people. Uh, and yeah, now now from us. Such a good game. Yes. All right. All right, cool. That's the first three categories down. Uh, Elden Ring, the uh, unanimous uh, game of the year 2022. Of the world. Uh, from both of the international <laughs> awards. Most international awards uh, say Elden Ring's the best game of the world. And I agree. Same with this international award committee. Uh, we're we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with our last three categories. Uh, Globetrotting Companion 2022, favorite game of the year, which could be any game that came out at all um, or any game at all. Didn't have to come out this past year. And then our favorite podcast episode. Uh, catch yourself the break. Welcome to the International Hey, I Like That Game Awards 2022. Jake, I've got three more categories to get into. Um, want to start? Oh, yeah. We're just we're just traveling into this next category, the globe-trotting travel game of the year. Uh, so this one, I have uh, 
it was it was close. My honorable mention well, and runner up are from the f- same franchise, so I knew I could only pick one. Hold on, hold on. Be- oh yeah, hit me. Hit Before me. you do that, let, just to give a little context oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. this this category, uh, both Jake and I did a lot of traveling, both internationally and um, within uh, the United States. So we played a lot of games while we were traveling. So we felt like this would be a unique opportunity to talk about you know what what were the games that stood out to us as we were traveling for uh, the Globe Trotting Companion 2022 award. So Jake, sorry, I cut you off. No, what, thanks for, what, thanks for the context. Uh, I'm glad you did cut me off. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, Eddie's, okay. Honorable mention, which um, would have been my runner-up had I started playing it earlier and might have been my winner had I played it, started playing it even earlier. Uh, Tony, which you showed me a um, Pokemon ROM hack, which is Pokemon Emerald Rogue, which is a roguelike pokemon game uh so it's a rom hack of emerald uh like so it's like the third gen graphic style it has a physical special split um it has fairy type so i think it's got the, it's got the gen 6 balance to it with the gen 3 kind of uh pokedex and look to it you can unlock the national decks um i have and implemented it it's great. Uh, Pokemon's super cool, and it's a really fun implementation of doing it as a roguelike, and I'm going to be playing it for a lot, I think, and probably would have been on this list had I started playing it sooner, had I started playing it before the other Pokemon game that is my runner-up, Pokemon Conquest, which is the uh, Pokemon Tactics game that came out for the DS. Um, I forget exactly which, which year it came out, but I got it on my uh, DS emulator, on my phone and it's just it's a really i like tactics games a lot i like pokemon this is a good game it's a good mesh of the two it's not i don't think great uh necessarily i think there's a lot of better implementations or like more they could have put in there um, that I wish they would have put in there in a sequel if they had ever made one which they never did and it seems like they never will but still like a very robust like long hours playable tactics game with you know the pokemon flavor that i love oh so much yep 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 and then uh so this is uh always a little hard not to give this away when we were talking about our, our game of the year my travel game of the year is uh dark souls remastered for the switch so this is one I downloaded uh, after playing Elden Ring, because uh, I was, as I was saying, Elden Ring kind of taught me how to like other FromSoft games. Um, and as I was playing through Elden Ring, there was always in like the tickling in the back of my mind is like, oh boy, I can't wait to play Dark Souls again. And you know, by the time I was uh, done with, not even done with Elden Ring, but like. When I was traveling for my for my honeymoon, uh, I had this loaded up on my Switch. I was playing a whole bunch of it, and having it on that portable console obviously isn't the most ideal way of playing a game like that, but it kind of forces you to sit with it, and that banging your head against the wall that you sort of have to do with the Souls games that are more linear than Elden Ring is... It's 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 you know more approachable when that's your game, that's your travel game. You're sitting there, and that kind of demands all your focus. You can't just like get up, go to the other other game, or like scroll on your phone or something like that. It, I I enjoyed Dark Souls a lot. I 
still think I like Elden Ring more, but I really do appreciate Dark Souls and that more linear experience that uh, is delivered there. Uh, it's definitely a lot less mechanically uh, deep than Elden Ring. I don't want to say that. Not much less. There's a few more... There's more bells and whistles in Elden Ring. The magic system in Dark Souls is still very impenetrable to me, impenetrable to me and I don't think I would ever want to build a magic build in that game. Um, but yeah, just Elden Ring gave me the confidence to play that game more and having it on the Switch and, and traveling with it gave me the the focus and setting that was more conducive for me to be able to play and sink into those games into that game and i just thought i just thought it was fucking phenomenal uh i don't think yeah dark souls dark souls is a good game get get your hot takes here (laughs) yeah right seriously That's interesting. I, I, I totally forgot that you uh, – because you had told me about that. That was I like, totally like earlier, yeah, earlier in the year because uh, yeah, I got married in March and then yeah, I played a lot of it you know, on the flights to and from the honeymoon and just kind of while we were lounging around there too. And then kind of on subsequent trips, I would, I would play more of it. And I haven't, haven't 100% beaten it yet, but I'm like very, very much close to the end. I, I'm in um, – Oh god, what's the name of the boss? But like the really like shittily designed boss where you have to like navigate through vines and over like insta kill falls, and it's like this really I don't know I forget the name of it, but it's 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 not that game has a lot more jank to it than Elden Ring does, and you kind of just have to hammer your way through it, and that's not great of it. I don't love that part of it. If I had played it and loved it when it came out more i'm sure i'd have a lot more patience for it um but yeah i like elden ring more than dark souls but dark souls was really satisfying to be able to play that much more of and i feel like i bounced off of it just sort of feel like i got to a part i didn't find as mechanically fun so i'm okay yeah yeah and i think you make a really good point about like being in a situation where you can't get distracted like you're fo- you you are forced not, not forced but like it is harder for you to get away from the game right mm-hmm. so you might be you might be able to press through things that maybe you wouldn't before so i i think that's a really good point um and probably uh to the credit uh of dark souls to allow you to to do that um dope yeah what about you what do, where were you what were you traveling on um, so two things I want to say right up front. Um, I'm going to mention two games. They are not officially part of my list because they are on the perennial list of tr- <laughs> like, these are games that need to be on your phone or on whatever device you travel with because you need to have them while you're trading, uh, while you're traveling, uh, threes and Tetris. You need to have threes <laughs> on your phone and you need to have some form of Tetris. Have both of those things. Those are like. Like in stone on the list, they will always be uh, forever travel companions for me. But three specific ones I wanted to bring up here. First runner up is Into the Breach on mobile that nice. came out this year. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, that was via, almost on my uh, list. That was very close. 
Yeah, Into the Breach fucking rocks. I love that game so much. Now that's on phone, I can have it everywhere, and it doesn't require an internet connection or anything like that, even though it's through Netflix. Um, it's awesome. I fucking love it. If you have a Netflix account, you should download Into the Breach right now. Play that game. Uh, it's an awesome tactics game. It only gets better uh, with time and experience with it. It's it's a great way to kill some time on a plane or on a bus. God, I love it. Yeah. Into the Breach mode. Solid, solid. Uh, Next runner-up is similar to yours. I kind of – I did this as like more of an overarching category of like Pokemon Nuzlocke randomizers. So I too uh, put the um, Pokemon Rogue on like in this category. I put a lot of time into that once I found it this year and it's fantastic. It's so, 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 so good. But I didn't want to just – isolate that one by itself because i also had a really fun time uh while traveling to the philippines playing a randomized pokemon black rom that i came up with like i i was messing with the randomization randomization tool just you know for the the sake of curiosity mm, yeah. and i created one and it, it was a great way to spend some time on a plane um i i, I love a randomized nuzlocke it's always been like one of my favorite things once it was kind of like introduced to me like it's one of my favorite things to like kind of have on me all the time so if i do have some a minute or two i can play pokemon in a randomized nuzlocke fashion um yeah how'd you, always something i like to how'd have. you customize it what were your your parameters for your randomization uh very similar to how we run the nuzlocke league nice. um i don't think i changed anything other than i made catch rates a little bit better because i didn't want to have to struggle with catching and then um i took away um legendaries i took legendaries out um because i think that's that tends to be a more fun experience for me because then it's not like oh i'm gonna catch one legendary and then run through the game now yeah. it's like you really have to um work at it um and take take your time so i i enjoy that um but additionally um just to give another plug for our nuzlocke league season four is happening right now and i just finished uh yesterday actually and i had one of the most fun times with the race portion this year and i had such a great time uh playing through it this time so i i had to put it on the list here as well so uh Runner-up as the Global Trotting Companion 2022, just Pokemon Nuzlocke randomizers. Get yourself a Pokemon game, randomize it up, and Nuzlocke it. It's awesome. Um, but the one game that like surprised me the most, maybe, and maybe I don't have um, the most time spent in this while I was traveling. I, I think the Pokemon Nuzlocke's have that. But the most surprising um, thing, and I, and I truly think the, the, the winner on this list is is um fire emblem awakening Uh, so yeah kind of like kind of like you where you never really uh super got into dark souls i was similar with fire emblem i've played a lot of those games like in passing always bounced off like i played three houses earlier this year for a handful of hours bounced real hard i found three houses played a couple lacking uh, I know a lot of people love that game for a lot of reasons, but it just it, it bounced it bounced off. And same with like some of the earlier GBA games. Something about Fire Emblem Awakening uh, really grabbed me, and I think part of it is um, this cast of characters is like familiar to me because of Smash Brothers. You know, this is Fire Emblem Awakening is the one with Robin and Crom and Lucina. So like I I know a lot of these characters just from Smash. So that maybe that's one aspect. Um, the other aspect is the 
relationship system in that game and the way they implemented it are excellent for me as a gamer. Like the way that I play games and like to interact with them, it's excellent for that. So uh, like in three houses, you have these social links where you have to like go and talk to all these people and like, you know, build your relationship with these folks that will unlock, you know, um, the ability to like marry these two characters so they could have a kid or like gives them special abilities or levels them up. Or sometimes you get items, you know, like that type of system is there. And it's it, that's been around in Fire Emblem for a little bit and it's been in like Persona games as well. Like the 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 social link system, however you want to like um talk about mm-hmm. it or, or mm-hmm. categorize it. So in fire emblem, all of that is menu driven. Yes. Like there's really like two, like that happens outside of combat in a menu where I can click through these things as fast as I want or spend the time to read it. If I care about those relationships, but I don't care about every relationship in, in fire emblem or, or any JRPG, you know, I, I, I never do care about every single character. So there are times where I'm going to want to, uh, click through it. You can do that very easily here. Um, they freely give you rewards and benefits for like building strong relationships with your characters. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tons of recruitable characters in that game. You can like change individual units like classes quite a bit. You can like, you know, progress into like a master class or you can like kind of change them around fundamentally into a different type of unit which i really like i like that flexibility um it it's a really solid tactics based game it's the best fire emblem game i've ever played and like something that again i'm just gonna keep on my 3ds for as long as i can think of and just come back to it and and slowly chip away at it i don't think I didn't have the thrust to finish it um, this year uh, because a bunch of other things came out. I got distracted. But like, again, I have a lot of travel. I'll be coming up next year as well. Like this will be a game that I continue to chip away at uh, over the course of the, you know, over the course of the game's length. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely surprising for me, but well-deserved Fire Emblem Awakening, my globetrotting companion of the year. I agree. That is the best Fire Emblem. And in Fire Emblem Engage almost made it onto my most anticipated list, but I had, I think, enough, I don't say issues, but, like, there were, like, parts of how I play games that didn't mesh necessarily with Three Houses that that kind of, like, gives me a little bit of hesitation because Three Houses, like, I people love that game. It was well-reviewed. My wife loves that game, um, and I think they're going to emulate a lot of that stuff again. And, yeah, I don't know. I like when the relationship stuff is on the battlefield it's something that kind of like happens a bit more organically as opposed to three houses where i'm going into that section of it hoping to min max my team this mini game is not to build a relationship it is to make my fighter more effective and i almost like (laughs) by making it more involved i engaged with it less and like it felt less impactful to me and awakening really nailed that in my in my mind yep totally totally um um i'm glad my coworker courtney uh, push me to yeah, do it great because I wouldn't Courtney. have otherwise. Yeah. Great job, Courtney. Um, and that's it, right? We, we went through yeah, everything those are, there. That's yeah. Globetrotting yeah. travel games. Tony, okay. we're on to the Trying companion 2022 favorite games played this year. So could have come out yes. whenever any platform, any time, but we played them this year and Ooh, we love them. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. So for me, the, I, I kind of have a boring uh, answer here. So um, Elden Ring and Tunic. So the winner is Tunic or not Tunic. Actually, no, the winner is Elden Ring. The runner up is Tunic. Uh, very similar to my uh, game of the year 2022. Like I, I had such a good time with both of those games. I'm not going to go over it all again here. Uh, but both of those games were like highlights of my year in gaming. But the one we haven't talked about here, that's a little bit more, uh, a little more ingrained into my life here is um, I want to shout out Valorant. Yeah. So uh, over this year, I took a job at Riot Games. So I am now, uh, I work at Riot Games. I actually work on Valorant. So part of, you know, my job is to learn this game and to, um, you know, to to break it down, to to learn everything I can about it, to be an observer of this game in in, in some ways, right? Um, and I had never really played it at all prior to um, joining Riot. I had really not played any uh, uh, um, tactical shooter prior to uh, joining uh, Riot, and I've really grown to to love this game quite a bit. Valorant is. A really fantastic game. It's made with a lot of love, and I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased here um, because I'm one of those. You people, love it so much, but <laughs> yes, and it um, it it's not just like a shameless plug because I I like the game that I work on, um, but uh, I had the opportunity this year to play the game a lot with people that are like really good at the game, and then people that are like more on my skill level but are trying to get good. Um, through the tournaments that I played in and, and, and other stuff. And it, it was just a really fun experience. You know, trying to take a competitive game, a hard game, seriously, um, especially when it's team-based, is it's a lot to take on, especially if you're like a really competitive person. Like I, I wouldn't say uh, competition is like my top driver in like in my uh, world, but it's up there. Uh, I'm not the type of person that like can't stand losing or, or anything like that, but like winning is important to me. Competition <laughs> is important to me. So like putting in the work to try to win and to work with your teammates and to like, you know, learn a new game that is difficult and like not just, um, challenging in terms of execution like the 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 firing in that game is is difficult yeah and like being able to move quickly uh is difficult but on top of that the meta strategy of like the tactics of the game of moving around the map and using your sight lines using abilities all of the elements of the game that come together that make for really exciting fun moments like uh triumphs of winning crushing defeats you know all of that stuff comes through so well in this game and um it, it's just been a ball it's been a ball learning it it's been a ball like um talking about it with with other people and it's just it's such a cool game that i am so glad that i am now a part of uh in in my small in my small way that i am um but yeah it's it's a really awesome game and i think we delivered some really compelling awesome stuff to players this year and you know excited for the future but it's uh yeah i it would i would be remiss to not mention valorant at all during these game of the year podcasts Absolutely. so uh yeah as a runner-up of my favorite game of the year to to the amazing incredible un, uh you know inscrutable elden ring and tunic <laughs> valorant valorant's right there with yeah uh, i'm 
What about you, no, Jim? I'm glad that you, you, I mean, work on Valorant because hell yeah, that's so cool. But also, you know, played it and got me to play it because that was a game I would never have picked up unless, you know, somebody was there to kind of guide me a little bit. Um, I'm a lot more hesitant to play multiplayer games and that one. Yeah, it was like you said, it's a bit more inscrutable. It's a very like quick twitchy game in circumstances too, but yeah, it's really fun and really rewarding. And yeah, I always relish every time I get to play you play that with you. Yeah, yeah. Not a plug. I don't even work on it, so uh, I can't plug it. <laughs> uh, okay, so what what are your favorite yeah, ones? So uh, so my favorite games of this year, my runner up, uh, this was my kind of go-to game for a very long period of time, which is Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, Michael, f- I think future friend of the show, is uh, let me continuing to let me borrow this game. Thank you, Michael. And it is, um, it's a really good open world game not so much as like breath of the wild and elden ring where there's that sense of of wonder necessarily but aesthetically it is a very beautiful world and it's populated with you know a good amount of stuff to do it gets a little samey as you get to the end game but it's still engaging and um the tool sets that you're offered in that game are it's very deep. You have a lot that you can go to. You have a lot of buttons you can press, a lot of hotkeys to get to. Um, and when you are able to flow stuff together, to piece together those tools and just be like basically a ghost on the killing field, it's super fun and super satisfying. Uh, the story, I think, is just okay. Um, but it's just something that I appreciate how, how much it commits to it how earnest of a of a game and story it is too so ghost of tsushima very solid game runner up and then um oh man so tony i'm actually still trying to figure out my winner so i want it to be a vr game um i got my oculus uh quest 2 i'm not gonna say who actually owns it but oculus quest 2 i got it earlier this year and um no last clockwinder came out this year which came, uh, made it onto that list. But there are three games that I did play this year that came out previously. Okay, I got it, yep. All right, so uh, I wanted it to go to Resident Evil 4 VR initially because I would feel weird if there wasn't a Resident Evil game on my list because I didn't put it on, if I didn't put the 4 remake on my most anticipated list because the remake of 3 kind of cooled me on that. Uh, 2 make was really good. 3 make was meh. We'll see what 4 is. But that's not my winner. Because my actual winner for favorite game I played on this year is Pistol Whip. So Pistol Whip is a quasi-rhythm shooter. So each stage is a song. You're going down a straight path. Like, you don't move at all. You're just going down a path. And uh, almost like a rail shooter. And... There is a song playing, and the enemy spawns are loosely pretty, like, they're, like, timed with the music, not always, like, on the beat necessarily, but, like, timed with, like, the spirit of the music, and it's a game that makes me sweat, because you gotta dodge incoming shots, and since that's the only movement you need to focus on, it's very in-your-face, it's, like, vaguely bullet hell, and just the... 
it's just, like so fun to be like just do, like the matrix dodges and like be trying to like shoot at uh all these enemies to like get the points and to, like clear the field and like the music's getting into your soul while you're playing it and like at times you're just like the gunshots are lining up with the beats at the same time and it's like you can kind of anticipate where the next enemy is going to come from once the music gets into you and i it's it's such a blast and every time i put it on and play that game i'm just immediately transported into like an immersive great time uh so yeah Game of the year. Sorry, Resident Evil 4. It's going to be Pistol Whip. I like it. I like I like it. We got VR games. We got VR games. We got mobile games hitting the uh, hitting the list this year. You got a lot. You love to see Well, I remember, I, I, which, I forget which year it was, but I put um, Point Blank 2, an arcade light shooter, on my favorite game of the year list one time. So yes. I try to get, try to, get to yep, some yep, other, yep. other types of games. But yeah, <clears throat> super great. We... We are weird, eclectic gamers here. So favorite game of the year for Jake was Pistol Whip. Favorite game of the year for me, Elden Ring, but with a very specific, huge shout out to Tunic and a big warm hug to Valorant. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know what? Shout out to Breach. Breach is the man, my favorite agent, basically the only character I can play in that game. Homie's awesome. So good. Breach for life. Um, Okay. Last category here, Ooh, uh, Jake. Big Are you one. ready for the this? Podcast, the game. big one. Yes, favorite podcast episode of the year. So we love all the the episodes we make. We love all the stuff we make for you listeners out there. Um, <laughs> but here are the ones that um, kind of were our favorite to do this year. I guess that's how I think of yeah. it. Like, what are the ones that like I had? I remember having the most fun with um, Jake. I have. Um, kind of two categories i have like uh, a winner for the best like uh, episode that had a guest and then i have a winner and runner-up for the uh, best like solo eps between you and i okay um all right yeah so this is so i get that I, you had two separate categories because this was this was tough we played some damn good games this year played some damn good games this year that's very true uh, oh wait i'm breaking format here you should go first here oh, cool all right uh so i have an honorable mention uh Honorable mention only because it wasn't actually a main series, like a main podcast series game, which is Inscription. Uh, we did a special mm-hmm. episode on an Inscription when we played it earlier this year. Um, and had that been like a main series and had I been able to like feel more confident about that being like in the podcast, absolutely would have been my number one. Inscription's awesome. Honorable mention for sure. And then inscription is inscription is my winner oh, yeah? for like the guest category. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Inscription was such a fucking great episode. Uh, even if you're not, even if you haven't played inscription, you should go listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. And that, that game just gives such an experience like, like that, like unique experience. So I think it's really, really fun and impactful in games, but onto the true runner up. Uh, I think you're in like this one, Tony Mega Man X two. Hey, um, I, don't really like the Mega Man games. <laughs> I think everybody kind of that's uh, I think has been established in the uh, other Mega Man games that you've made me play. But the X series, the movement of it and the look of it is fantastic. There's a lot, you know, like a lot of indie games are like quasi 16-bit and try to elicit that same style and gameplay feeling. And you know, more modern games are I think are able to nail it 
because just game mechanics have come a long way. It's not actually 16-bit because technology is a lot more powerful, but Mega Man X2 actually plays like those games and actually is 16-bit. And I, I just, yeah, I really, really liked it. Great uh, aesthetic, great music. And I'm just I'm I'm happy I finally played one of the X games and I actually liked one of the Mega Man games. This like foundational pillar of 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 the video game world. And I'm like, yay! I like him. I get it. He's my buddy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then glad we could do that for my you. winner, which I don't think you're gonna like as much, is Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Uh, <laughs> so if we. Uh, about two hours ago, finished up recording our episode on on that game. Uh, so you know, just just dug into it a little bit. Still fresh for Tony and I. I I just think that is a very complete experience. The stealth mechanics for me are very satisfying. The margin of error is uh, sometimes I think frustratingly mild, uh, frustratingly tight because of like almost video game jank of that time period but in other ways is very satisfyingly narrow in that it demands the proper approach from you uh so the stealth gameplay of it i really like i don't like a lot of stealth gameplay sometimes i think it gets kind of tedious and boring but um this gives you enough active tools to be stealthy that it's really fun and satisfying for me um the story itself i don't know don't really care about the political intrigue but the the characters are written and presented in a adult mature way that is just really refreshing uh with a lot of sarcastic irony laden dialogue that i think is uh more in vogue now so it was uh i think a fun almost like weird way of an adult game that i got to play this year and um yeah, I remember liking it when I first played it, and I remember why, because it kicks ass. Love it. Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, my podcast game of the year. Hell yeah. Fantastic, dude. Fantastic. Yeah, okay, so you got, you got Inscription um, as your number one guest. Who's your guest runner-up? Yep. Guest runner-up is Metal Gear Solid. Hey, I had a great yeah. time on that episode. My buddy Josh came on, and we and we talked about Metal Gear at, uh, at a very high level, which... I always love doing uh, talking about that game with Josh. I like talking games in general with Josh, but I had a great time with that. And I'm glad I finally was able to get him on the show after literally talking about it for years. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that is our runner up. But, yeah, Inscription was so much fun. We had on both a uh, friend of the show, Eric, and friend of the show, Matt, which I was glad to finally get Matt on the show as well. And we it, it was fun to have a, a bigger discussion about that game because it was just such a fun fun thing and to get like you know multiple perspectives on the game from like you know different levels of um kind of familiarity or like comfort with like the mechanics of the game mm-hmm. uh it, it was fun it, it was it was just a great time go listen to that yeah. episode if you haven't already uh it was a really fun one i i uh, love that episode i'm so glad we did that episode because uh, i like i had like just i blew, blew through that game and i was so psyched to talk about it, it was fresh in my mind too so yeah great great yeah, game yeah. great episode 
Yes, yes. Uh, my runner-up for the uh, solo episodes was Mega Man yeah. X, so I'm glad that we're aligned there. Mega Man X was a great time. I'm, uh, I was also very happy that you enjoyed it, and you finally kind of see why Mega Man, uh, specifically Mega Man X, you see it. You see it. It's awesome. I'm, I'm glad uh, I was able to do that. And it was it was fun to go back to that game, too, because that game fucking slaps. Um, my winner, though was an unexpected one for me, and that is Ace Combat 4 Shattered Skies. No way! Hell yeah! Um, (laughs) I I don't like flying games. And really, when I was playing through that game, there were times, kind of like what I was saying in the Splinter Cell episode, where I was fighting against the systems a little bit because of how I play video games. Um, But the graphics of that game are awesome. The dogfighting does feel really good when you like get into it. The the replay at the end of the levels were so good. Um, and the story was excellent. The story of that game was excellent. Probably the best told story um, out of any of the games we played this year, which is a lot to say when we're talking about, you know, a Metal Gear Solid yeah. uh, of over the course of the year. But like, I really, really liked uh where Ace Combat 4 Shattered Skies like landed. <laughs> um, I I that game surprised me quite a bit. Like um like in years past, like stuff like um like Metro, like that that kind of caught me off guard. Like, oh that this I liked this game a whole lot more than I was expecting. Uh Ace Combat 4 was that for me this year. And it was a good episode um too in terms of like you know the things that we covered with it the conversation that we had it was it was really good so yeah ace combat for shattered size is my winner for the solo podcast episode of the year oh, i'm so pumped about that uh that was that yeah. was almost on my honorable mentions uh that nba street 2 and dead space 2 were like just like a hair away from getting there for me i know like we we played a lot of banger games this year like we we did play some that were not so good and we had a lot of hey i don't like that games this year but we also played some like some really really cool and like bigger games so yeah like when you like dead space 2 not being on this list is like kind of crazy it felt bad for me to leave it off because it's awesome but just like man those other ones really did it for me same with NBA Street, like NBA Street, like that was a u- unanimous. Hey, I like that game, and what a what a fun, fun, fun game that was. But you know, there there's something about the games that the four games that I talked about here, and the ones that you uh, brought up that I think are um, you know some of the best that we had to offer this year. Um, speaking of what we had to offer this year, Jake, we did a lot again this year. Yeah, uh, we did. We did our third uh, 24-hour charity stream. We raised $3,430. We are at, grand total over three years, $9,636.25 to now. Oh, man. Which is... That's a lot. It's crazy. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for two just, like, random dudes on the internet to raise Mm -hmm. uh, for a charity like this. You know, like, we, we don't have a ton of notoriety or anything like that. We just really love the cause and love doing events like this. So for all of you folks to to come out, support us, donate this money means a lot to us. And it means even more to us that next year on our fourth anniversary, we will hit that 10 grand goal. So we'll, we'll have to come up with something big for that one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. But Thank yeah. You. Uh, Tony, and I are entirely aware of the, um, 
scope of our audience uh, or lack thereof. So <laughs> that much being raised just shows how how mighty everybody is and how much you all care. And Tony, yeah. if there's anything I hope we do with this show is just get people to care a little bit uh, about games, about yeah. about causes, about each other. And um, that's something that you really brought to the show, uh, that you've really instilled in the show and in me too. I think if you go back to a lot of our earlier episodes, it's a bit more loosey-goosey and uh, overtly negative. And I, I just appreciate how much you've helped me focus on the positive. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate that. We like this show is about, you know, examining nostalgia first and foremost. That's like kind of the the, the um, main thesis of the show. But like it's also talking about games in a positive light because they mean so much to both of us. So um, I, I don't want to speak ill about a game when it doesn't deserve mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. and we should give all of these creations as any creative work, we should give it the benefit of the doubt uh, first and foremost and give it more, um, yeah, give it more leeway uh, than not. But yeah, it's, I think it's really important to be, um, to be positive about, about games, about these, these things that we spend so much time with and that means so much to us. Um, that doesn't mean we can't shit on a bad guy, a bad game. Oh, yeah. When it's it's fun to do that for sure, but if it's all you yeah, do, yeah, yeah. then that's no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We being positive, it's it's uh, it's a big part of the show. So I I appreciate you calling that out. Um, but we also this year we both got fancy new jobs. Ooh. Now we're in the same time zone, which uh, which we weren't before. Uh, we released thirteen episodes, which is probably like our lowest output of recent history. But a uh, part of that is because of the the fancy new jobs that yeah. we both we got. had a lot of life um, happen this year. <laughs> lot of life lot of life we had a wedding this year that's two years in a row with a wedding let's make three yeah. next year huh <laughs> like three <laughs> I'm just kidding alright which of us is getting divorced uh, <laughs> oh shit <laughs> coops coops oh, cat um, wedding <laughs> cat wedding that's more wholesome than uh, <laughs> yeah yes Jake um what else uh I think that's it any other like last parting words Jake as we cap off this year, 2022. No, I think you you hit everything perfectly. Well, we'll be back uh, early next year with our episode on uh, Child of Light. That one's next up on the docket. Uh, again, we really appreciate all the, the love and support uh, you listeners out there send to us that you provide to the charity. All of that stuff means the world to us and it keeps us doing this show. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's we we really appreciate all that stuff. So um, so thanks, folks. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. If you have any, uh, if you guys have any, um, you know, comments about our lists here, if you have picks for these categories, you know, make sure you to shout us out on the internet wherever uh, it is you want to do that. Whether it's at our email address, hey, I like that game at gmail.com, on Twitter at like that game. Uh, the Hey, I Like That Game podcast on Facebook, wherever, um, you know, Twitch.tv shoot us a comment. Slash hey, I like that game. But yeah. Uh, That's yeah. right. That's Propagate right. the pod. Let us know what you're feeling, yes. what you're thinking. We love, we love our listeners. Yes. 
Hell yeah. Uh, and as always, Jake, live life passionately. Love each other unconditionally. And play video games. And happy new year. <laughs> yes, happy new year, everybody. Uh, enjoy your games. Enjoy the last couple days of the year here. And we'll see ya. Bye, everybody. Next year. Bye. the podcast uh if you like the show please give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this on you know every little bit helps hashtag propagate the pod